0: You've been a Devils fan? Oh, since I was a kid. I'm from Jersey. Yeah? Well, we're gonna kick your butts tonight. Ain't hey, no way, man. Yes. We're prime. <laughs> All right, you almost ready? Because Jerry and Kramer are gonna be here any second. <laughs> what the? So, what do you think? What is that? I
1: painted my face.
0: You painted your face? Yeah. Why?
1: Well, you know, support the team.
0: Well, you can walk around like that. Why not? Because
1: it's insane.
0: Oh, hey, you gotta let them know you're out there. This is the playoffs. Shit. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Dave's, um, painted his face. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, you got to support your team, huh? Okay, ready to go? Yeah. Let's get it on!
1: everybody, Dave Juskow Show, The Night Fly, coming at you around April sometime. Whatever the Tuesday is in April that this comes out, Dave Juskow, The Night Fly, The Night Fly will continue in a moment. Hey everybody, welcome to the show recording on a bright sunny day in a beautiful New York City setting, watching the cars and the water go by and... Life ticking away as Dave Joskow watches TV and sits on the couch and thinks of great things from 40 years ago to tell you. You're welcome, America. Hey, it's me, your pal, Dave Joskow, and this is The Nightfly. So, coming up with that first clip today, uh, yes, David Putty and Seinfeld and the New Jersey Devils. On Wednesday night, I had the opportunity to go to the first Devils playoff game in five years. Front row seating with my pal David Horowitz. He might be Jewish. I'm not sure. If you were with David Juskow and David Horowitz and David Blitzer, which one would you think is the Jew? And the funny thing is, he's not all Jewish. It's unbelievable. I think he's part Mexican or something. I don't know. Anyway, yes, the Devils game with David Putty. I was there. And David Putty, uh, Patrick Warburton, we're talking about the actor from the classic Seinfeld where he's dressed up as New Jersey Devil. Well, the Devils flew him in. The president told me before the game. The president came up to me. The president of the New Jersey Devils came up to me. and goes, hey, we flew Patrick Warburton in. And he's in full makeup. I'm like, get out of here! You're such a liar. But it happened. It was like so awesome. It was like really, really awesome. I mean, um, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's like, I mean, I love the Devils, and I love, and I think that's the reason I became a Devils fan. Is that episode kind of? I mean, I'm just like, this guy's so funny. He's such a Jersey guy. I want to root for the Devils. I was uh, okay with the Rangers back then. Now I hate the Rangers. But back in the day, I was rooting for both teams. Now I just really hate the Rangers. So all devils in. You know, I've talked about this before. I was there for the 94 Stanley Cup. I mean, I wasn't there, but I went down to Madison Square Garden to be with the fans after they won. It was very exciting. But, of course, I was rooting for the Devils during the double overtime game, game six. Double overtime that bought the New York Rangers to the Stanley Cup. That year in 1994, and then the next year the Devils would win in 95 in a shortened season. So Rangers fans would be like, well, you got in a strike season. Season didn't start until January, so that was easy to do. But it's okay because the Devils came back in 2000 and won it all in an unstrike season and then won it again in 2003. What have the Rangers done? Yeah, that's right. The Rangers aren't in the playoffs this season. Oh, wait. And I can do that because, you know, all my other teams suck. So it's, uh, you know, if I have one team that does really well, uh, you know, I think i got to just put it out there, you know. But whatever all that stuff is, I mean, can you imagine if you worship a show like Seinfeld, like I think we all do. I mean, this would be, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh... I mean, what would be the example of meeting and talking to because I t- actually talked to Patrick Warburton after the game for a long period of time because we have a mutual friend in, or mutual acquaintance in the fact that Alex Sulkin, who is the executive producer of all that is family guy and probably the number one person in charge at this time because I don't think Seth MacFarlane cares to even do the show anymore except for the voices. So Alex Hulkin is all family guy. And when we come out to California, we're going to talk to Chris Regan, Regan who's now a producer of The Family Guy, but Alex Hulkin's way more higher up. Maybe I won't say that to Chris. And uh, so I said I'm friends with Alex Hulkin. Then we just started talking. And then he was like, he was trying to, he wanted me to get him work. He's like, well, you should tell him I've been trying to pitch a show for us for years. I'm like, yeah, let me see what I can do, David. I just call him David Putty, but that's a rude thing. No, I made sure I called him Patrick the whole time. Now I'm thinking of David Putty because I just played that clip. David Putty's a legendary sitcom character now. I mean, think about this. Think about how good this guy Patrick Warburton is, which is obviously the case because uh, ever since then, when no one knew who he was, he has maintained his appearance on television and movies, really. I mean, if you're thinking of Ted or anything else, um, completely. I mean, for 20 years, whatever Seinfeld's been off the air, he's been non-stop. I mean, he was the lead on Rules of Engagement, but he also obviously does the voices for Family Guy and uh, a couple other. Blue Beetle, I think. In fact, in TED 2, they have not dressed up as the Blue Beetle. So this guy's been working non-stop for 20 years. But again, think about this. Larry David is crazy. Right? We all know he's a little insane uh, and very particular. And when you look at Seinfeld... Uh, Jerry and Larry David were very calculated. I don't know this. I'm just assuming this is the case. But it seemed like they were very calculated to make sure they didn't make the, uh, the mistakes other shows, other classic shows had made towards the end um, in l- letting it stand the test of time, which is why Seinfeld works for instance, bringing in new characters in the last couple of seasons, and all of a sudden, you know, like when you watch the Cosby show, you're like, "Who? The, what the hell is happening? You know, season nine, you're like, I don't understand. Like I was telling you about Once Upon a Time coming in in season seven and being like, wait, uh, Captain Hook and to run a detective agency, that kind of stuff. So you could really go through any season of Seinfeld and kind of come in at the beginning. It doesn't matter. And they really never bought in... New characters besides ones that were obviously that good. So obviously Newman stayed for a long time from the very beginning. But David Putty is a really good example, or Patrick Warburton. I'm sorry I keep doing that. And I hope I don't do that when Richard Klein is here. But he's a very good example of somebody who was obviously very likable and, you know, was just an actor. I don't think he was friends with anybody. I think he auditioned for the part just like anybody else. And he was obviously very liked on the set. He wasn't like a troublemaker because that's some, a reason for g- kicking somebody off too. I mean, think about what they did to George's wife on that show, uh, Susan. The, George, he, the, the, like nobody, I don't think they didn't like her. They just didn't like working with her. They weren't having any fun. She wasn't part of the group. George says, uh, J- Jason, uh, oh my gosh. Jason Alexander always says, he's like, I couldn't, I wasn't getting anything from her. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't getting, I couldn't act with her. I'm like, but that's all bullshit. I mean, if somebody was really great, who gives a shit what Jason Alexander thinks? It's Jerry and Larry's show. So, obviously, she just wasn't fun. And Patrick Warburton's a good guy, and his character was amazing, as seen from what I believe is his first appearance in that show. I mean, he's really good. I mean, they brought him back, you know, multiple times, and then he became Elaine's boyfriend. Now, think about this. In season three, when they had Keith Hernandez on, one of the best parts about having Keith Hernandez on was when the Mets um, had everybody back for the 20th anniversary of the 1986 World Series championship. Uh, It was great because Keith Hernandez was announced as Elaine's boyfriend, as Elaine Bennis' boyfriend. I mean, there's nothing better then, having an announcer go, he's a three-time Gold Glove champion, a World Series champion in 1975. He hit three home runs. You know, like I mean, they give all this credit. Goes and he's Elaine Bennis' boyfriend, Keith Hernandez. You know, I mean, they. I mean, how great is that? That for the rest of his life he's on this classic show. And then of course we had talked about uh, a couple years ago when Jerry's wife bought him a charity event for Father's Day. Got him to be in the booth with Keith Hernandez uh, to call the Mets game. We know Jerry's a huge fan. And, of course, Jerry's so smart using the Yankees and the Mets, so there's no where Yankees fans would be like, I don't know. They only talk about the Mets on that show. Very smart. Uh, But then them both being in the booth and calling a Mets game together, I mean, it's great. And obviously Seinfeld has shown the test of time 20 years now. Unbelievable. And you know, it more than 20 years, right? Because, I mean, uh, well, probably 20 years since it went off the air. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those shows, you know, like MASH used to be, or I don't know, ones that used to, be about the Brady Bunch, all that kind of shit that was in syndication when we were a kid that, you know, somehow stood the test of time even if the Brady Bunch doesn't stand the test of time. Now it's funny again because it doesn't stand the test of time. But, I mean, this is like, you know, a real classic. I mean, this is something that, well, I mean, at least for now, but like the way Cheers was on every day beforehand or something. I mean, this is just sick how Seinfeld is just on every day, still 20 years later at 11 o'clock and 1130. And I probably watch it and as I know what most other people do every day at 11 o'clock. I mean, it's amazing. And so here's this guy who made this classic episode about being a Jersey Devil. and The New Jersey Devils pay him, they pay him not uh, that much. Fly him out, have him put on the the face painting, makeup. Because you remember, this organization hasn't been in a playoff. You know, my cousin's organization hasn't been in a playoff since he bought the team. So they fly him out and just have him be with the fans. He was sitting in the, uh, he was sitting right by me. He was sitting right in the left. I mean, I met him anyway after, but he was just sitting right by me. And he was so funny. And uh, like, I mean, it was just so great to meet david putty you know seriously i mean just like it was so exciting when you're meeting it would be like that's what i'm trying to figure out like it would what's the equivalent of like meeting a guy from uh you know your favorite show like when you know like talking to larry like richard Klein, but in a character that that he legendary played in the show i'm trying to think of something in particular I, i i can't I can't think of anything in, in particular where something like dressed up as that famous episode, you know? I'll probably think of it when I get off the air. But they definitely played this clip, of course. You couldn't get it out of your zone all
0: night. We were
1: aggressive. We didn't
0: let you better. Yeah, all right, that's enough out of you. There's still three more games left in this series, my friend, and it's far from being over. Very far from being over. What? <laughs> hey, what are you doing? What's where you're driving, man. Don't
1: mess with the devil, buddy. We're number one. We beat anybody. We're the devils. The devils. <laughs> I mean, what's better than that, right? I mean, that, and they, so they play that, I and mean, it really was getting everybody pumped up. I mean, it's you know we lost, but uh, it really was exciting. I mean, here's Ken Danikow calling the game.
0: And we're going to take a look at Putty. Otherwise known as Patrick Warburg, the actor from Seinfeld and many others, all fired up here as he's getting the New Jersey Devils crowd
1: pumped up here at Prudential Center. Yeah, they just show him like sitting down in the, uh, you know, in the seats with, uh, with whoever his security or manager was, whatever it was. Well, let me tell you something about this guy, Patrick Warburg. First of all, he was like so nice. And, you know, I got a picture with him. It's on Instagram. Um, I was afraid to ask, but David Horowitz didn't mind, so at least uh, that was great. And then he let me be in the picture. Like, why wouldn't he let me be in the picture? For some reason, I wasn't thinking about being in the picture, because I don't know. So uh, that was, like, totally exciting. And then, um, uh, oh, then, um, you know, we always go to the bar afterwards, which is so much fun. And, you know, even after a loss, it's even... Better and some guy with a Rangers jersey was in there, so people were going ballistic. It was really fun. Rangers suck. Rangers suck, and it's just great to be with other New Jersey Devils fans because it doesn't happen to me a lot here, living in Manhattan. Nobody cares, so it was really fun. And you know, I'm always going to be a Jersey boy, so I love it there. And uh, so Patrick Warburton comes into the bar after too. He just hangs out, has a drink. I mean, this guy is the real deal. What a what a great guy. Really good actor. And like I said. You know the 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 honor, if you think about it, of Larry David. It's just like uh, J B Smoove is a great example. J B Smoove was supposed to be in one season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and obviously Larry David knew that this guy was just money gold, and said, "I got to find a way to keep him on the show." Now remember again, Larry David is so particular. He's, he's like when with David Tell being with the nonsense, like, you can't be on Insomniac again because people are going to know you were my friend from last time. I'm like, no one cares. But David Tell and Larry David do. Those are the kind of people they are like, no, but the comic book guy from The Simpsons will say, excuse me, but in episode 12, you used the same character. So in the season of Curb Your Enthusiasm where the blacks came in, which was J.B. Smoove, uh, the next season... He stays in the house. There is no reason. They just cut to it. They're like, wait, what are you doing? You're supposed to leave. He goes, I didn't leave this place. This place is great. Come on, Larry. And, and then they just went with it. And that was it. And then J.B. Smoove was a regular on the show. And that's how you get in. You do your job and you're great and people like you. And then all of a sudden you have a show. I mean, technically, technically, that should have happened to me on the Sarah Silverman show and on Crashing. Because I did a great job. I'm not, I'm not touting my own. I know when I suck. We've been over this before. But let's face it. I did do a good job on those shows. I was a hilarious character. Technically, I should be puttied or JB smoothed in. But, you know, I'm not a, a professional. So they don't care. Whatever. Whatever. It's all going to come around. You'll see. Because me and Patrick Warburton are going to do a show together with Alex Sulkin. You'll see. Actually, I'm sure I'll come up with an idea for the two of them and then they'll do a show and I won't be invited on. That's usually the way it works. But I got to tell you, uh, you know, last week I was sitting and we're going to the devil's game and I was so excited for it. And, you know, when I got the tickets and it wasn't an easy ticket to get, even though, you know, my relative owns the team, it was not an easy ticket to get. And I really thought it would be. I thought once they made the playoffs, I could invite like 10 people and it wouldn't make a difference. Uh, but no, that wasn't the case. I had to go through serious channels to get it, you know, like ask favors, which was upsetting because I wanted to go to every playoff game that they had there. So I said, well, let me just go to one and Mondays I work late, so that's not going to work. So how about Wednesday? So they got me two tickets for Wednesday. So then the question is, who do you bring? Who do you bring? Should I bring a date? Should I bring a date? Of course I should bring a date, but I can't bring a date. To, of a girl that knows nothing about hockey, doesn't care about hockey, doesn't care about the Devils. Now, I don't care about that on a regular random Devils Day. That's perfect. But if it's the playoffs and they haven't made the playoffs in five years and we don't even know if this is going to go on, you know, they're the eighth seed, then don't you think you got to bring a Devils fan? You know, you got to bring somebody who's really going to appreciate uh, the gesture of, of getting a, a, a hard-to-get ticket and having these truly amazing time and really amazing seats, center ice, eighth row, uh, you know, sitting right, uh, right above David's parents, uh, my aunt and uncle, which was hilarious. There's nothing better than calling out my aunt, Aunt Eileen, Aunt Eileen, you know, and then uh, seeing my aunt and uncle. I tell you, every time that just uh, amazes me. Whether they like me or not, I, I don't know. <laughs> I have to assume they do. Otherwise, I just can't go on living. But um. So I invited my friend Jay Mattis, because Jay Mattis, who I've known since elementary school, maybe even before that, uh, used to invite me to the Devil's Games all the time. Now, I had to pay for my own ticket, but he always used to invite me. He had season tickets, and then we'd hang out in Newark. He lived in Newark. He lived down the street. So I'd park my car at his house. We'd walk over. I wore the outfit, um, you know, the Devil's jersey and everything. We'd go over, because I was a big fan, and I loved going with him, because then we'd go back to his place, have a couple of beers hang out a little bit, and talk. I didn't really get to see him that much. And this guy, and I've told you about him before, I mean, he's had a really rough life. I mean, a real rough life. This guy is not at it easy. He has a lot of bad luck. Uh, he, and, the, the, like, I think I've talked about it because his, his, um, per, not personality, his uh, outlook on life, it's 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 a miracle. He's, he, it's always, he's in a good mood. he's, he has a, a a good glow about him. It's it's amazing because this guy has been shit on. His mother died very early on. We knew her very well. Uh, her name was Chicky. That's why I always remember. And she died. She died when he was very young. And then his dad lost it. Couldn't live without his wife for some reason. I don't really understand. which wasn't a hunter. I don't know. Obviously, this guy was an idiot. So uh, this guy couldn't go on. And he he just took off. So Jay and his sister are left uh, with nothing. Father just took off. Just took off. Uh, like you hear so many times. And then there they are, just hanging around. Uh, I think that was when they were in high school. Kind of the same thing with Jeff Ross's parents, except, you know, they died in an accident. But this guy just took off. So this guy sucks. And he's an asshole. And we've hated him ever since. I, mean, I knew this guy for Many, many years, you know, I mean, we were, our families were very, very close. So his family takes off, uh, then he's trying to get to college, some relatives be like, hey, I don't know, I've told you all the story before, they they won't even help him go to college, he does everything on his own, never taken a handout, worked so hard, always had a job, always helped me get a job, and just always had this amazing, upbeat outlook, which is a miracle because he also got hit by lightning once. I mean, this guy's got no luck. He's uh, kind of an albino. <laughs> it's like skin's messed up, but he's he's got a full head of hair, and like I said, a you know a pretty good personality. So he, uh, I mean, just just hasn't had it easy. And so I offered him the ticket first because he used to bring me. He's like, you know, if this because I quite frankly, after my cousin bought the team, I. I really didn't talk to him anymore. It was kind of rude. I was just like, well, I don't need you anymore, so I'm good. And then I only invited him like once, which was so uncool. But we don't talk that much. So, but I felt like, okay, if I have a ticket to the playoff okay, game, I've got to invite him. It's the right thing to do. Uh, but he couldn't make it. But it was nice to hear from him. It sounds like he, uh, he met somebody. I think he's getting married, and he moved out of Newark, thank God. And his sister, if you can see this family, did so well, she became Cory Booker's assistant Uh, and like, you know, worked for all this government charity, married really well, made some money. So the two of the the kids did pretty good. Um, I I mean, good as well as you could. I mean, think about this guy. He's living in Newark, a white guy living in Newark. Uh, you know, he wasn't doing that good, but his sister did really well. Maybe, I don't know. I don't think he ever needed any money or anything from her, but yeah, they were just, they're just, they were just abandoned. Abandoned, but at least they had each other, thank God. And, uh, Actually he had to live I think he had to live in Newark so his sister could live in Manhattan and still have a Newark address so she could help Cory Booker. I <laughs> so I think he even did that for his sister. Because that's the kind of stuff you do when you only have each other. But uh anyway he couldn't make it. So then I knew the right thing to do was to ask David Harwitz. David Harwitz is a is a friend of mine. I met his wife uh at the roller derby. And uh the very nice uh couple. i we've hung out with them before but at the Devil's Games. And uh, I invited over to Passover. He's a lovely boy. Comes to a lot of the shows. And uh, so I say, listen, um, meet me outside. Let's do it at 6.30. Because normally, you know, I usually take the 6.01 train. The game starts at 7. I just sit there eating in private while the first period's going on so I can just have run of the place of this little area where it's, you know, the VIP area. And then I go out for the second and third periods. But this time it's the playoffs, so I want to actually be seated as the puck drops so i said let's get there the game starts at 7 30 i'll be there at 6 30 make sure you're there by 6 30 the guy's not there at 6 30 i'm like totally excited i'm like thrilled i'm so excited i got somebody to come i said make sure you're at 6 30 i do not want to be in that lounge area by myself so i'm very excited it's in my head everything's all said i know he's not going to let me down he's stuck in traffic he's letting me down i was so furious furious because as if i told you last week I didn't get that spaghetti and meatballs at exactly seven thirty. Instead of we were going to have it at six o'clock and not seven thirty. I had a, I had a conniption fit. I went crazy when everything doesn't go my way. I go insane because I bring myself up so high. I'm so excited about this because that's there's so little in my life I get excited about certain things that if they, if they one flaw to it, it's a disaster. It's it's a horrible characteristic, but it's there's nothing I can do about it. And and it is the characteristic it is. And uh, I really didn't think this guy was gonna let me down, and he did. He absolutely did. I had to go in there by myself again. The one thing I can't stand, I don't like meeting people there because I'm always early. Now, if I was gonna meet somebody and they, they don't care to be by themselves, then that's fine. But I just felt like an idiot. I can't stand being in there by myself. I like to walk in with the guy. Plus, it's a burden on the other people that have to take us in. So then the guy that got me the tickets was like, oh, we'll leave here. And then somebody's got to walk you through the thing. So then they have to get another person to walk in. And it's rude and disrespectful to the people, to my cousin and the staff that got me the tickets. So that, that's why I was really upset. I got him like free parking. I did everything I needed to do. How this guy doesn't need, lives in New Jersey. How do You you don't know this traffic in New Jersey on the turnpike? That doesn't make any sense. Of course you got to know there's traffic. There's traffic on a weekday? Going to the playoff game? I don't understand. So, you know, he finally shows up, and I'm just angry. You know, I'm always uh, good after a couple of drinks when this happens to me. I can get over it after a couple of drinks, but uh, which I did, but uh, we didn't drink crazy. I was so full because I had um, sushi. They had, like, a French dip, a, a jus sauce. Uh, thing like, which was really delicious. And then I had uh, something else, and then a hamburger, because the hamburgers looked amazing. And I shouldn't have had the hamburger. The hamburger was too filling, because it was probably too much bread. And then we had beer. It was just so fill, filled up, filled up. So full, so I couldn't I concentrate. And then uh, he's like, well, let me buy you a hat. And I'm like, I don't want a hat, because I really don't want a hat. I want a good devil's hat, but I want to pick it out myself, and I don't like the one I have And apparently, they don't make any brands. I have a huge head, apparently. It's always weighing on my head. I can't... It's crushing my skull. So they bought me another hat, and then I have to carry around my old hat the whole time. I was furious about this. I did not want a hat. I like the black hat, and it's a Stanley Cup hat, and it's nice, and the gesture is very nice, but I don't... I didn't want a hat. I didn't want to carry anything around. I had to carry around that all night, all the way back at the bar, all the way back to the city. I don't like to carry anything. That's like the one taboo thing don't ever do to me. I hate carrying stuff. I plan days so I don't have to carry anything. I remember I was dating this girl back in like 96 at Catch a Rising Star and she was a musician and she's like, can you carry my guitar? And I'm like, no, no, no. I just planned my whole day the fact that I don't have to carry anything. In fact, I left the shit I had at Catch a Rising Star so I wouldn't have to carry anything tonight. But what was I going to do? My girlfriend I had to carry that stupid guitar. Oh, but I let her have it good. I let her have it good. In both ways. Whoa! Hey, Hey, but seriously, don't give me shit to carry. If I plan my entire day about that, I don't have to carry anything. I don't know why. I don't like to carry anything. I like to walk around like this. I like to walk around like Maury before he knows he's going to get killed in Goodfellas just minding my own business <laughs> you know what I'm talking about so anyway after I walked home from that bar you know it was like late You have to walk through Newark to get to the train station not enviable at uh you know midnight hour Gets a little seedy, little little scary, a little scary. There was other people going on the train, but um, eh, you know what I'm saying. Newark, Newark's not a good place. What do you want to do? What are you going to do? Speaking of which, I'm going to this restaurant in Staten Island. Uh, well, I'm taping this on Saturday. It's coming out Tuesday. I'm going to this restaurant. I'm bringing uh, bringing a uh, uh, you know African American girl. I had to, I know the owner of the restaurant. I had to say, you know, this, this is cool, right? This is cool. You, you gotta, it's Staten Island. Staten Island is like uh. You know everything there's 1973, so you gotta do the right thing. You gotta do the right thing. I know that sounds horrible. It sounds horrible. It's the right thing to do, because you know you'd be you'd be dumb. Millennials are stupid because they don't get it, so they think everybody's cool with everything. But you have to be smart sometimes, and use your head and realize that some people aren't cool with lots of stuff you think. Is cool. So you just have to be a little respectful. This is why. All right. You ready for this? This is going to be the gayest thing I've ever said. And, and that's saying something. But in Sex in the City 2. <laughs> the movie. <laughs> I shouldn't even say this. But in Sex in the City 2. I was so angry uh, with the scene. Because I think they're in Dubai. And Samantha. You know. The, the whore. Uh, won't wear what she needs to wear. You know, they make the women cover up. And she refuses to do it. And it's so annoying. If you're a man, it was... I really don't know how to handle this. But if you're a man, I was watching this movie and I was getting so annoyed because if you're a man, you just can you imagine being with this girl? It's like, no, I'm not going to cover up. And you're like, look, I believe you that I believe you shouldn't have to cover up. But we're in another country. Just do this, don't fuck around here, you know what I'm saying, I, and it's funny, I had to keep telling myself, it's just a movie, it's just a movie, relax because I was getting so annoyed, I just wanted to punch her in the face, and I'm like it's just a movie, just relax, because I guess I'm thinking to myself, if I was with a girl that was being this disrespectful, which is you know, happened before, obviously I guess that's why, you know, I thought about it, I'd be like, oh my god this is, how does she not understand that this is so disrespectful to a horrible country that I couldn't stand anyway bunch of Jew haters and stuff, but we're in their country, so what are you going to do? What do you want to make trouble for? So, that's what I'm saying. That's And that's the name of that tune. And that's uh, something, there's a whole bunch of stuff I guess I wanted to say about that. I don't think I was finished, just to tell you a little bit more about the... Uh, the week i was supposed to take my friend michelle out for dinner last tuesday which is why i was planning to do a pocket but i was like no i'm gonna take her out for dinner because it's her birthday but i'm like um but i blew it up because i'm like wait why do i take an out for dinner i'm not her boyfriend we were gonna go out for like an expensive dinner like that place across the street that costs like three thousand dollars i'm like but i'm not her boyfriend i'm not her boyfriend what do i gotta take her out for dinner for i know it's like a friend but i felt like i was getting scammed so i uh i didn't do it i wished her happy birthday and then I said goodbye. And you know what? I'm glad because I get suckered all the time. So I don't I don't have to feel bad about that, right? Take, if I'm not dating somebody, I can take them for a drink, right? I don't have to buy them all dinner because she, she's dating somebody. So why do I got to buy her dinner, right? I know. Here we go again. Does it just sound too Jewy? Do you remember the girl I said, uh, you know, so angry because she wouldn't offer to pay for anything and then she heard the podcast and then she was mad at me i can't stop thinking about her it's like i want to call her up and just be like i know what I, I just can't she's so pretty that's how people get away with it it's like I, it's it's just like the big bang theory this is why i love the big bang theory the big bang theory completely speaks to me it's like any girl and, and it's just like the 16 candles any girl can Uh, you know, get my lunch money because I'm so torqued up, I can't say no. Is it really
0: hers? Yeah. How did you get them? She gave them to me. Did you? No. No, Jake, she's crying for you. I told her you asked about it, right? The girl freaked. She had a hissy. She thinks you're the cat's meow. (laughs) Really? She came up to me in the gym tonight. She looked at me like I was a leper. Girls will do that, Jake, you know? they see, they know guys are like in perpetual heat, right? They know this shit, and they enjoy pumping us up. It's pure power politics, <laughs> <I'm telling you. laughs> i thought you hated my guts. Games, Jake, silly, torturous games. You know, times a week I go without lunch because some bitch borrows my lunch money, you know? Any halfway decent girl can rob me, I'm blind, because I'm too torqued up to say no. It's heinous,
1: Sorry. See. And it's true. And it still happens to me. And it shouldn't happen to me. I mean, he was 15 and it's happening to him. It shouldn't happen to me. But it's true. Any girl can rob me blind because I'm too torqued up to say no. It's a fact. It's just the way it is. I don't know what to do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. It's always going to happen. I'm a nerd. And to prove it, yesterday, 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 I went to the comic book store because I heard that Action Comics, the Superman comic, had a thousandth issue comic. Like a, their one thousandth issue comic. It's been 80 years of Superman and they had their number one thousand issue. Made a big deal. But I said, you know what? I'm going to get that comic. I'm going to keep that comic in good condition. Because the other comics I get, I just throw around the, the room. My, my cleaning that. lady must think I'm just such an idiot. Because I just have comic books all over the place. And I said, oh, this one I'm going to keep in pristine condition because uh, maybe it'll be worth something even though every, you know, it doesn't, doesn't work that way anymore. Where I called my sister today and I was like, you know, I'm positive daddy had Action Comics number one and grandma threw it out. We're positive. In the 70s, our dad told us that his mother threw out all his comics when he got married and left the house, just threw them all out. Not only did he, and if he didn't have Action Comics number one, He probably had action comics number two. We would be millionaires if that whore hadn't cleaned his closet. You know, I loved my dad's mom a lot. She was way cool and really fun and had flawless skin and then lived with the cleaning lady. I think I told you that. Uh, But that sucks. Not only did she throw out all the comic books that would be worth a fortune a fortune a small fortune because again okay you don't have action comics number one but you might have first issue fantastic four you don't know I guarantee there's shit in there that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars she threw it right out somewhere in Brooklyn there's they're somewhere in the water in the Atlantic Ocean and uh Then she threw out all the photos my dad ever had with other girls when she found out he got married. She threw everything out. What the fuck is that? Why would she do that? She was so... I I don't know why she was so worried that my mother was going to find other pictures of my dad being with other girls before he got married. I mean, so ridiculous. So archaic. And even though I like this grandmother so much... Because she was fun and liked to gamble. She gambled it all away. She had nothing to give us. Which, again, I didn't care. And she said, no, I'm taking it all. Gambled it all away. Left us with nothing. But she always gave us money when she wanted at the track. Which is always why I'm trying to give my nieces stuff when I went at the track. I just don't win a lot, so they don't expect a lot. But, uh, yeah. So that all being said, I went into the uh, comic book store for this thousandth edition of the uh, comic, and uh, they have eight different covers. I'm like, oh, here we go. are trying to milk out everything. The, 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 the comic book is priced at $8, eight different comics. So you got to spend like 64 bucks if you want to get everything. So Big Bang-like, right? Because all those guys would buy every cover. But I'm like, no, I'm just going to pick one cover I like. I'm not, I'm not a collector, so it doesn't matter. I'm going to pick the one cover I like. And I picked the one cover I like. In fact, I picked the one cover where it was like almost sold out. I'm like, okay, that seems to be the one everybody's getting, so I'll just get that one. So then I'm with this other guy there. This guy, I mean, I just met him there, and we were talking about it. Like, oh, my God, they have every cover. But it's really funny. It was total geek talk. He's like, oh, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And then we found these two covers that were already marked up to $15 and $20. And so we asked the guy there, why are these already marked up? He goes, oh, those are special editions. Those are special, special editions that are only in this store, in the Midtown Comics store, like the three locations in Manhattan. And we're like, oh, well, we must own them. We must possess them. So I bought them. (laughs) Even though that guy must have been scamming us, how can they only make a Midtown Comics edition? Is that for real? How could that be? And does that mean should I go to other comic book stores and get their editions? But I had to have it. I don't know why. Just like they would do in the Big Bang there. I mean, I think I just saw an episode the other day where Stuart, like, somebody left a wallet, and he goes, you know, that was Stan Lee's wallet, and he got $200 for somebody leaving their wallet there. I believe I was totally scammed. I was scammed. How rude, as Stephanie Tanner would say, and then I would say, hey, cut it out. Oh, I can't believe I fell for the oldest trick in the book. Those comic book store people, oh, they know how to prey on us. Plus, there was like a girl working the counter, and I was like, totally. And when you, I have an account there. Uh, (laughs) When you buy a comic, you have to give them your account number because you get free stuff. And I got $15 off because I guess I've been buying uh, stuff. So it's very embarrassing. I think once you spend $100, you get $20 off. And they keep track. But the password or the code is your birthday. The last thing I want to give a female, a non not attract, I mean, a an not unattractive female at the counter at the comic book store is my birth date. Because I heard everybody else is there and they're all 70s, to 80s. Pretty sure it's the only person there who was born in the 60s. Uh, very embarrassing but, uh, you know, I was trying to make a joke about it, and I think she liked it. You think I could ask out a girl in the comic books? I bet I could ask her out, because I bet you they don't, they're they afraid to ask her out. Excuse me, would you be interested in going out to see the new Black Panther movie with me? I thought perhaps the two of us could go out to the movies and then possibly have a, a dinner if you have no other plans. But, uh... You know, I didn't. And, you know, on uh, Thursday, uh, you know, I don't have any registration on my car. You know, I got to change over the title on my minivan to my name because it still has my dad's name since 2003. And I've just been riding it around because who cares? Who cares? You know, I got the registration title and the insurance is all in his name because I'm like, what, what do I care? What do I care? Why am I switching it over? Who, why goes the problem? Who gives a shit? It's got the same last name. That's really all that counts. But every time I get pulled over, like, you know, you got to change this registration. I'm like, I eh, grow up. Shut up, pig. That's what I say when I'm in the car. I'm like, shut up, pig. And they're like, excuse me. And I'm like, maybe you didn't check out this PBA card, pig. Yeah, I don't do that. I definitely do not do that. I mean, that's the way usually I can get, you know, I mean, you got you to gotta be polite. You got to be polite and not black. And let me tell you something. I'm a little nervous because I didn't get everything all set yet. I'm getting it all set together, but... I'm driving this black girl here. That's how you're going to get busted. You're never going to get out of stuff if there's a black person in the car. And as prejudiced and as horrible as that sounds, you know I'm right. I'm looking for trouble. I'm going to be in there with the DA, and we still might get in trouble because of the loan. And this black girl, I mean, she's ridiculously hot. So that usually trumps everything. But remember when we were doing the Cars movie, I had a massive, not just a minivan, I mean a terrorist van. I was driving a terrorist rental van, like the one from you know even Back to the Future, where the Libyans are in. You know, I mean a ter- the the van that should get stopped at every bridge and intersection there is. And I never got stopped, except the one time this lovely black girl was helping us with the show, sitting in the front car. The only time I ever got stopped. And she go, oh, it must be so difficult for you. You must get stopped all the time. I'm like, no, no, just just today. Pretty sure it's your fault. And she was pretty and nice and adorable. But yeah, we got stopped. So I'm a little nervous. A little nervous. I'll let you know what happens next week. To be continued. But, uh, so I have to think, so I had to, because, oh, it's this thing you have to do to get the car changed in my name the title, I have to go to like a surrogate's court and get a probate officer to have my mother, because the estate goes to her, sign something so I can turn it. I mean, it's so embarrassing when you're this old. I got to have my mother do something. I mean, it's it's it's, it's it's a joke. And the probate office where you have to go is only open the third Thursday of the month for 20 minutes. So we scheduled an appointment, For me and my mother on April 19th at 345 exactly. And if you better be there on time. They're only for 20 minutes. Couldn't believe so. I took the whole day off because I figure it's my mother's birthday, as you know, is the same day as Hitler's. Uh, So I figure, okay, listen, you're going to do me this way. We'll celebrate your birthday. We'll bring Beth. I'll take the whole day off and we'll do something fun. So. I go to pick her up in the morning and we, bring, we decide to go because we couldn't. Just, Beth and I, we're, you know, we're like, what should we do? And we're like, it doesn't matter. Whatever we say we're going to do, she's going to be like, oh, I guess. I mean, there's nothing we can do. So I said, I got some stuff she won't say no to. Why don't you and I get in the car with her in her neighborhood and put a sign on the car and just drive around her neighborhood going like, hey, these are my kids. My kids are with me today. They're taking me out for my birthday, like a sign and a banner and like a, you know, a microphone Outside the car, hey, we're here. It's Rhoda's birthday, and here we are. We're her kids, and we're always with her. You know, because you know how, like, she's always calling, you know, like, well, the other people's kids always come down, which they don't, because she's lying to us. Beth comes down a lot. I don't, you know, what are we supposed to do? I got a job. And she's annoying, and she's miserable all the time. Who wants to be with her? But we had a good time on Thursday, I got to say. Cause You know why? Because my sister was telling me this yesterday. Because you were in a good mood, David. This goes back to the thing that happened with David Harwitz and the devils. I was in a good mood. If I'm in a good mood, everyone has a good time. And then my sister says, because you're bipolar. it's a pro- This is your problem. You're bipolar. And I'm like, how am I bipolar? Because I always think when somebody says bipolar, they're an idiot. And Mariah Carey came out this week, said she was bipolar. And I'm like, no kidding or whatever, and I'm like, what an excuse, what an excuse, you know, like, my guy my, my is an idiot, but I guess I'm an idiot too, because I guess I am bipolar, but when I'm in a good mood, everybody's having a good time, and when I am in a bad mood, I can bring everything down, I didn't even think about it, we were having a good time on Thursday, because I was in a great mood, I don't even know why, I've been losing a lot of money gambling, it's just something, I guess I am bipolar, because there was no reason that I was in a good mood, I was just in a good mood, And I was hilarious. I mean, I was, you know, it's the way I should be on stage. I was talking to everybody. I was good with the waitresses. I was good with the old people. I was good with everything. I was good with the probate officer. So we all had a good time because I was in a good mood. My sister was telling me, it's like, this is like when you were on those medications. You need to go on medication so you can always be like this. I live for the day that happens again. I'm a dick. But maybe I can't control it. I don't know. I don't know why I'm in an awful mood sometime. Last week I told you I was in a horrible mood. I was on my period. I can't figure out what changes my moods and what it is. I thought maybe it was gambling, but if I'm losing so big, then it's not gambling. And, you know, it's I, I don't I don't I don't even know. I don't know what to say. So I pick up my I get out of the city, you know, and and you know, I leave early in the city because I know that, you know, it's gonna be hard to get out of the city because I'm planning, I've gotta be at my mom's on time. What I'm saying is I'm planning ahead, unlike David Harwood's. And uh, I pick her up, and then we drive back up to the mall, mo- because it's her birthday. I'm going to go down. I'm going to get her, and so she doesn't have to meet us. And we go to Menlo Park Mall, and we go to the Cheesecake Factory, because um, I say, I know a great gift for Rhoda. Let's let her. We'll go to Nordstrom's, and she can buy me some clothes or some underwear. This, I, I know this sounds selfish, but I know she likes to do this. So <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, right? But I'm like, oh, you know what? Now I know my mother so well, I know exactly what to do. As stupid as this sounds, I'm going to let my mother take me to Nordstrom's and buy me a shirt and some pants. She was thrilled. We went to the Cheesecake Factory, and we're all, I was going to have a chopped salad there because I was so full from the night before. I'm going to have a chopped salad. They have a really good chopped salad and tater tots. They were out of tater tots. God, I hate that. So I only to getting these buffalo blasts, which were disgusting and really angry that I ate them. But the salad was good. And then we had crazy cheesecake. We had like the vanilla. No, no, banana cheesecake. And then we just put hot fudge all over. It was fantastic. And then I had coffee and I was totally mile a minute having a good time. Then we went to Nordstrom's. Maybe it was just good to take a day off and be out, even though it wasn't a nice day. It was just fun to be out of work, I guess, even though I get panicked when I'm not at work. But I, I don't know. I was feeling okay. So we went to Nordstrom's, and uh, she bought herself something, and then she, we went down to the, the, the half-size chubby... Sh- stop. Uh, st- <laughs> Damn it, I couldn't get it out. The half-size chubby location. <laughs> you know, where my grandmother used to take my father. Uh, we went to the boys' department, and we got me some underwear. <laughs> no, we went to the thing, and we were buying shirts, and I couldn't fit in any of the shirts. And when I say I couldn't fit, it wasn't just my big fat belly. It was like, like I was like the Hulk. And my shirts were like ripping as I was putting them on. I'm like, but these are large. But they were they were weird sizes. Like they were numbered. So she got me all these she like fours and fives. I don't know what they Oh, she goes, I guess you're a six. This woman was an idiot. A little girl. She was stupid. And she didn't know what she was. Saying. Oh, I guess you need sixes. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. So I only got one stupid shirt. And I think I was sucking in my belly when I bought it. But I was so nervous not to buy anything because I... Wanted to make sure my mother had a good time because, you know, know, I really need uh, darker colors, but it was more of a summary. I I don't know whether I'm going to wear that shirt because I'm really going to have to suck in the entire time, and that's hard to do, you know, all day. You know, or I could just dye it, but (laughs) I think we know the answer to that one. No. Uh... So then my sister left and I brought my mother back down to her house but I was like, no, I'll hang out a little bit because I don't want to go home yet because there's so much traffic and then she's like, do you want to go to the restaurant they have in her, you know, it's like a over 50 community thing and I'm like, yeah, sure. I was just doing whatever she said, right? So I want to make her happy and we go to eat again and we know the owners of the place and they got cute daughters that work there and one of the daughters just got into Pace and I'm like, oh, you know, there's a Pace in my building, whatever we're talking and I was I don't know, I was on fire, I was really having a good time, and all for some reason, and I was already full, I'm so disgusting, they had beef goulage over egg noodles on the menu, and I'm like, I gotta have that, she's like, what? She's like, yeah, I gotta have that, I, got, I don't know why, this is just like the comic book, I gotta have issue number 1000, the special edition for Midtown Comics, I gotta have the beef goulash. I don't even know what that is, I think it's just beef stew, and it was delicious. And then my mother was like, oh, you hated stew when I used to make it. I'm like, because you stink. Your cooking's horrible. But then I was like, oh, wait, it's her birthday. Let me relax. I'm like, no, it's just, it wasn't that it was horrible. It's just too big of chunks. She's like, yeah, I should have made them smaller. Aha! So you admit it. I told everybody it was her 100th birthday. Doesn't she look terrific? About 99 if we're really here. Uh... And then we had dessert again. I had chocolate pudding. Oh, my God. But my mother was really happy. We spent some time... So then I was talking to the other people there. This this Italian old couple just moved into the neighborhood. And of course, because they're Italian, my mother scoots away, talks to somebody else. I'm talking... They're so nice. They used to have a a, a big coffee shop in Little Italy, and they just moved to Jersey. And they're really funny. They're just talking about gambling. And they're like, no, you go... If you don't go to the Borgata, it doesn't hit. You don't win anything at Borgata. We're all waiting. And listen to this, people, because this is important. Because when when... Professional gamblers tell you this: no matter how old they are, you gotta listen. They're waiting for the Hard Rock Casino to open in Atlantic City, which is taking the thing of Trump Taj Mahal, I guess, because a new casino will always pay out. So we're gonna have to go there immediately, at least for a year, at least the first six months. It's gonna pay out. So she's like, "No, we're waiting for that to open because then we're gonna go." It's called hits or something, whatever. She showed me this. She had the video. She's like, "I win twenty thousand. I win ten thousand on the slots." She showed me a video where she was winning 10000 I was like, and she was just like, oh, look, I won 10000 again. And he's like, "Well, oh, that's amazing. He goes, yes, it is. And I'm like, you're not even excited. You really win that often that I'm watching a video where you're not even excited you won 10000 She's like, it happens all the time. Well, I'm going to follow her, and I'm going to use you. You better not go to my machines. But these, they were like really, atta- I mean, it really looked like they were in the witness protection program. They don't seem to belong in that community. But uh, they were really nice, and we talked for a while. And then I leave. I tell my mother, I'm like, listen. Just because they're not Jewish, don't not talk to them. They're very nice people, you wackadoodle. Oh, my God. And it totally runs in the family, this bipolar. My sister was telling me, like, oh, she's so depressed all the time. She's depressed. Because, oh, my God, this is the best part. You know, my mother always just talks about Hadassah. Hadassah. She's obsessed with Hadassah. So apparently they're having a huge Hadassah event on Sunday. And they had the final meeting on Monday. She doesn't go. So when I get to her house on Thursday, everybody's calling. Where were you at the meeting? How come you didn't come to the meeting Monday? She's like, oh, I didn't think anybody would miss me. This is what she says because I guess she's depressed. But it was so funny. Everybody kept coming up. Where were you Monday? Where's this? She's in charge of the whole thing. She doesn't show up on Monday. That's so weird. She's got a huge event on Sunday. She doesn't show up to the final meeting. What a weirdo. But how can I say weirdo? I mean, I think that's where I get it from. Me, her, Dory, we just get totally depressed and crazy. Just runs in the crappy family we were born into, and I guess you could take medication. I took it once before, and my sister and mother was so happy. I, I I'm I, I don't know. Should I go back on it? Maybe I should. I don't know. Maybe they got a pill like we were always talking about, like that. Um, what's that movie I like with brand Bradley Cooper? Take that pill, and then you're smart. Maybe being less depressed would make me smarter. Would make me think differently. Maybe I should think about it again. Because you know the repercussions. All penis stuff. All men's side effects are penis stuff. All penis related. Every side effect. It's going to affect your penis. But none of the side effects are like, it's going to make your penis longer. None of those side effects. Why don't they make make that pill? With a side effect like, well, it's got one side effect. It makes your penis larger. What? But the pill is actually to grow hair in your tongue. Well, I'll take it. It's worth it then. <laughs> I got a sandpaper tongue like my uh, like my cat. Oh. Uh before we go, I have a whole bunch of shit to say, but I think I got to do another podcast before I leave. I'm leaving for Las Vegas this week. Tomorrow I'm leaving for Las Vegas tomorrow and uh then I'm going to L.A. doing some podcasts, so, you know, don't want to leave you hanging. Just because I'm going away, doesn't mean we got we to gotta wrap up, we got to do anything, but I figure I'll just try and uh, have two podcasts ready, you know, so we can all be together when the time is right. I would like to um, end today's podcast um, with talking about SCTV again, because... I just found out, um, or maybe through one of you guys. No, I read it in the paper first, and then uh, one of you guys on Twitter had mentioned it too because it's huge news for us. Um, that Martin Scorsese is doing an SCTV documentary for not n- Netflix. <laughs> um, I it's like I'm excited, but I'm also angry because i don't know you know like i want to do it (laughs) but martin scorsese he's good he's good i'm just i don't know i just want to be involved somehow right because you know how much we worship it i'm glad that other people will get to realize it and then i was thinking i mean should i even do remember i was always looking for a show i could do just talking about you know what like a, a show we could break it down every week maybe sctv is the one but It's probably not because it's too old. But, geez, I sure would like to uh, just take one sketch after another and break it down, you know? But I I, I can't imagine there would be a big interest for that. But maybe after the Netflix there will, but I don't know. But it was great seeing everybody together. I guess they're putting it together so everybody was there. And it was so exciting. And, you know, um, Martin Short, who's such a genius, I don't know whether he writes his own material or not. He was at Caroline's the other day for a John McEnroe comedy fundraiser and uh, he said the funniest thing, he just showed up as a guest, said the hun- funniest thing, he goes, the rules of Hollywood. He gave the rules of Hollywood. He said, Tinseltown knows to never go to Leonardo DiCaprio's pool party without taking penicillin, never to sneak up on Gwyneth Paltrow during a cleanse, Never to start a conversation with Matthew McConaughey without an exit strategy. And never to say, hey, Cosby, would you fix my wife a drink? That's pretty funny, but then, did you hear that noise in the middle that ruined my whole thing? That was weird, right? Anyway, well, we know Martin Short's a genius. We know about that already. So I thought today, because SCTV is back in the news, we should play the second part of the brilliance of um martin short interviewing dave thomas as bob hope martin short as brock and we played the first part a while ago where they're just sitting and, and this is the kind of thing i was like i they're not going to go into it they're not going to be able to go into the dynamics of this kind of thing where we need to find out and i guess sooner or later i mean martin short's at carolines i'm going to run into him again maybe like you know waiting to ask this question about this particular sketch you know, is it really scripted or are they really just going off and doing it? And remember, it's eight minutes long, but we're playing the second half, so another three minutes of Martin Joy interviewing Bob, Dave Thomas as Bob Hope, and it's just so brilliant because Dave Thomas is just so good at the imitation and so good at just being... It's like, it's like when you hear Howard Stern interviewing Sour Shoes on Gary. I mean, how many of us could listen to that for 45 minutes? Howard cuts him off too soon uh, but he does it the right way because it looks like he doesn't have anything to say but if you interviewed Howard Howard Shoes as like Chris Mad Dog Russo and he actually had plenty of stuff to say and you did it like this I mean because the imitation is so good we could probably listen to it for an hour and that's why this clip is so spectacular stay tuned
0: for more On Stars in One. You haven't made a movie in 11 years, and yet there's always rumors that you will direct one. If you did, what film would that be? Geez, I don't know. I don't know. I thought a lot about that, you know. There's a little package we're trying to put together now. It's a remake of the greatest story ever told, you know. We're going to put that sucker together. That's a big, big number. Do Do you have any ideas what kind of effects are in that thing? That's a huge number. Well, of course, we've got, uh, we've got a number of people we've been considering for the lead for the part of Jesus. Let me make a guess. Go ahead. Max von Cito no, repeating no. his role. No, no. we got we got another guy in mind that we think would be real good. Gil Gerard. Do you know Gil? 25th century Buck yeah. Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. He's terrific. I think he'd be great at the Lord. <laughs> and as Mary. Now, that's more of a... I don't know, I I promised Phyllis Diller that if I ever did a serious movie that I'd give her a good part, you know, since she's got her looks back, she's tempting for that role, but I might, I might give her one of the older chorus girls, I'd give her that role instead. Have you never been tempted to direct yourself, you being such a cinema buff? Yeah, well that's what I'm gonna do with this greatest story ever told, you know, I'm gonna play Tiberius, and then also direct the movie. It's a smaller role. Normally, I'd play the lead, but I just don't think I'm right for the lead in this. Gil's perfect for it. You know, he's a marvelous. Boy, he's got—he has that look of innocence and at the same time, kind of a pathos that I think is—and uh, he's good looking too. I don't think he can have—I uh, don't think he can have the Lord played as an ugly guy. I don't think people would buy it. You were quoted as saying that only Jack Klugman could play Joseph. Do you still agree? Yeah, Jack's got the role. No question. He's marvelous. He has the anger that I think Joseph would have. Good casting, Mr. Hood. Yeah, so far it's worked out really well. We're, we're all happy, you know. But anyway, we're gonna be doing that. And, uh, and then of course we got the parting of the Red Sea, which is not chronologically in the greatest story ever told, but I demanded that it be put in. Just because uh, it's a damn good effect and I'd hate to see it wasted. You know? <laughs> we're gonna have ships just tumbling into the area in the middle there, you know. And I'll be back there behind the camera yelling, cut just after I make my exodus Tiberius. Do you see this as a Christmas release? Yeah, we kind of hope to bring it out at Christmas with all the other comedies. So it is a comedy? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, you don't think I'd do a drama, do you? This is the greatest story ever told, and it's the funny version of the greatest story ever told. Our time is gone. I thank you, Mr. Hope, for being my guest on Stars in One. This has been a rare privilege for me and for my audience. We thank you. Well, thank you, Brock. It was a real pleasure to be on your show. Will this ever be seen in the States? Of course it will be, Mr. Hope. This is not to be shown in the States. <laughs> you understand? Under no circumstances. But Mr. Hope, this has to be shown in the States. This doesn't have to be shown in the States. You understand me? You're making my blood boil now. Don't get me mad. We well, are seen in the States, Mr. Hope. Well,
1: Oh, my God. Aren't those guys good? It's so stupid and funny at the same time. Gil Gerard, that's so great. And Jack Klugman, you said you couldn't see anyone in the pod except Jack Klugman. Is that still true? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got the anger. And that voice when he goes up and down, it's so awesome. Like that time, I think he was on The Tonight Show. And definitely Howard where he was describing how uh, Dave Thomas, how he does the Bob Hope voice. It's so good. And, you know, but I guess that's all wasted now because nobody knows who Bob, not only doesn't anybody know who Bob Hope is, apparently nobody knows what the Holocaust is anymore. I mean, it's really getting out of control. There was a study, two-thirds of American millennials cannot identify what Auschwitz is, according to a study released on Holocaust Memorial Day that found the knowledge, that knowledge of the genocide that killed six million Jews during World War II is rapidly fading among American adults, especially those 18 to 34. 22% of millennials said they haven't heard of the Holocaust or are not sure. How is that possible? How is that possible? I mean, we learned it in textbooks in school. And the thing is, the Holocaust all happened in our parents' lifetimes. So how is that fading? I mean, it's, 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 it's really bad. And, uh, you know, that Carol Markowitz, who's always uh, interesting in the post, is saying uh, Holocaust education is failing because, you know, she read about it and she's like, she can't believe it either. The shocked reaction to the survey is understandable, but misguided. A 1993 study by whatever found that 38% of adults and 53% of high school students either said they don't know or offered completely incorrect answers when asked to define the term, the Holocaust. I mean, that's uh, pretty bad, you know? It's pretty bad when something like that isn't... Be- I mean, how is it not in textbooks? Uh, I, I, It's not in textbooks. We we read about it and it was in textbooks. You know, textbooks. I mean, the quiz show scandal was in our textbooks growing up. I don't understand. how How are you not taught the Holocaust? Now, of course, there's always the flip side, like, well, if you're going to teach... That one, you have to teach the other, not the Holocaust, but just when you're teaching about religion, you have to teach the Third Reich and, and how the, like the other side or something. But, uh, geez, it, it, it seems that, uh, how, how, how do these millennials who pride themselves on being so smart, be so stupid? You know, I hang out with millennials every day of my life. We play, uh, HQ together and they're all Ivy League students and, um know the kind of stuff they don't know through non-life experiences it seems pretty dumb but I don't I I just can't imagine somebody not knowing I mean obviously I've been it's been you know battered in my head by my mother or whatever but does that mean that it dies out with me how can that be its it and and it's kind of important too whether you're Jewish or not Jewish just so it you'd hope it doesn't happen again of course it does in simpler forms I'm doing Max von and Hannah and her sisters again because it's true Why? How could this happen? Of course it does in simpler forms. Well, I watched television today. Oh, the Holocaust. Why? Why did this happen? The question is, why doesn't it happen more often? Of course, uh, that's the the line. Why doesn't it happen more often? And, uh, you know, in many ways in Syria with that guy using all those uh, the chemical weapons on his own people and stuff, it is happening. So... I don't know. I just can't imagine somebody not knowing about it. I mean, even the comics like me and Sarah, and, well, let's just dig real comics like Sarah and Atel. I mean, they talk about it in their acts all the time. I mean, we kid about it because it's so, it's so messed up that it happened. I, I think that's another thing, too. Maybe we just want to forget about it. I mean, who does do? I want to forget about 9-11 every day. I never want to remember it. I hate September 11th, and I'm glad that we just do normal things on September 11th. But, you know, I hate that the 20th anniversary is coming up or the 25th anniversary. I hate discussing it. I hate September 11th, and I want to forget about it. So I guess in that sense, maybe it's the same thing. We really want to forget about it. I mean, it sucks. It's messed up. But on the flip side, it's something we can't forget about. Because it will happen again, and it happened so simple. And it's, uh, oh, not to leave on a bad note, but, uh, I don't know. It's something we, uh, got to discuss further in, uh, in the coming days. Am I right or am I right? I think I'm right. Well, that's our show for today. Uh, sorry we left on such a bad note. Hey, you know, the Holocaust is bad. How much is the Holocaust? About $1. twenty-five. <laughs> Maybe that's why nobody cares. I'm making too much comedy about it. But it was Hitler's birthday yesterday, so there's our shout-out. Anyway, thanks, everybody, for a great day of podcasting. And uh, I'll see you next week on the fly with Davey Boy Just Good night, everybody.